Athlete Mindset is part of the CadSource Podcast Network. At CadSource, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're growing this one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you by searching CadSource on your social media app of choice. This is the Athlete Mindset Podcast, and it's all about mental health in sports. Presented and produced by Sports Eat Plus, part of the CadSource Podcast Network. Athlete Mindset is hosted by Lisa Bontasumi. Lisa is a therapist and mental performance consultant to high-performing athletes at the youth, collegiate, and professional levels. Lisa also works with teams, coaches, and other members of the sports ecosystem. The Athlete Mindset Podcast is a space for conversations with athletes, coaches, practitioners, and stakeholders in sports. And it's where those individuals share their perspectives, experiences, and thoughts on mental health in sports. I am Eric Kazimov, founder of CadSource and the creator of Sports E+. I'm hosting the Athlete Mindset Podcast on this platform as I deeply believe these conversations are essential and deserve to be prioritized. I'm beyond excited today to have Megan Reyes join us today on the Athlete Mindset Podcast. I want to tell you all about her, but first I want her to say hi to everyone and just I'm so glad that you're here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is a long time coming as well. This is about a year in the making for us to finally get on a podcast together. (laughs) Yes, it is. I mean, we should have had the mics all hooked up to all of our conversations and dinner and different things that we've had and could have been done, but Here we are. (laughs) We always have a good combo. So I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So let me tell everybody about Megan. She's amazing in so many respects, but Megan Reyes is a first-generation daughter of Filipino immigrants who is currently based in California. With over 12 years of experience working in sports, Megan has developed a passion for growing women's soccer and works as a freelance sports host, content creator, and social media strategist. Megan has a strong, engaged, and growing cross-platform audience and has worked with dozens of brands, athletes, and sports organizations. She is a leading voice for mental health, diversity, and inclusion in sports. And Megan's purpose in life is to affect change and bridge communities through the power of sport. Let's go. Oh my God. I'm like, just reading about you. I'm just like, yes, she does. And yes, she is. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad that it like it invokes that type of a uh, response. That's yes. the goal. That is well done. Check mark complete. You know, like we've developed our friendship over, yeah, like the last year, year and a half. And it's important for me to highlight who you are as a person and the work that you're doing. We share similar spaces. So I I just want people to get to know you a little bit more. But tell us about how you chose to like enter into the soccer world. So it's interesting because I don't think it was by choice at first. And so, Mm. and I'm very grateful, similar to teaser, a conversation I had with Lisa earlier when I asked her how she started playing soccer. She said it was a mistake, but probably not a mistake. Yeah. Mine was similar where it was by chance, and this is where I am today. So how it starts is I started working in sports when I was in college mm-hmm. as an intern. And I, I had a, a summer internship the summer before my senior year with the Portland Timbers. And 
I knew nothing about soccer. I knew nothing. And I had the experience for the role. I didn't have any experience in soccer. I didn't play growing up. Mm-hmm. Now in my work, a lot of people assume I play. And I'm like, you do not want to see me out there. <laughs> I'm trying to kick a ball. I promise you and no one wants to see it. Or everybody does. But I don't right. see it. And so I... You know, working for a team like the Timbers, and this was 2012, so this was their mm-hmm. second season in MLS. Mm-hmm. It's such a passionate fan base, and I really, I thought that was so special, and I had the best summer. And my career since then had taken me to the NBA, and then to sports media companies, and this, this kind of crossover of, of sports digital tech. And then at the end of 2021, I went freelance. Specific. I remember that. Oh, yes, that was big. That was around the time we, we started becoming friends too. Yeah. So it's very early in this journey that I met you. And I promoted that I am specializing in social media, in athlete marketing, and trying to figure out if being on camera and a host is an area I want to continue to pursue. Mm-hmm. And every opportunity that came to me was in soccer. and. <laughs> through connections and friends I had made on social media and in the space. And if if the opportunity made sense to me, it was a yes. And a lot of it was a yes. And I remember um, this was October when I went freelance, December 2021, USL asked me to speak at their annual winter summit. And through that, I I think it, it just kind of snowballed from there. Now being a little bit removed from that time, but so deeply immersed in the soccer space, I can take a step back and see there, I have a lot of friends and I have a lot of peers that do what I do and they do it very well in basketball, football, primarily, some in baseball, some in in all the other sports. And that soccer is still a rapidly growing sport here in the States. Uh And there, from what I perceive it as, there was a greater need for me in soccer at the time. And it has allowed me to create and take up space and help grow the game. Because as we know, again, we're so immersed in the space. It's it's constantly in front of mind. It's constantly what I'm consuming. I'm around. I watch. I forget. Unfortunately, a lot of America still doesn't pay attention to the sport. Yeah. So all of this to say, I kind of backed my way into the soccer space. Freelancer, this team, this club, this person, this athlete wanted help, wanted to work together. And then as people continue to see that, now soccer is my world. <laughs> as you can see, my backdrop, like I've got kids yeah. everywhere. I'm yes. <laughs> Everything I'm doing is in soccer now. So and again, it was by chance. I don't think it was by chance, but it was by chance. And right. I, I couldn't be happier. No, I love it. I love it. No, it's funny. Yeah. We both have that piece in our stories that what wasn't an accident. Was it by chance? We both believe that it's not, you know, and I think what attracted me to you is like being a Filipina in the sports space. And, and we first met around soccer too. And now to see you bring it all the way to where you are now is just super inspiring and means a lot, you know, to yeah. me to see that representation. So I want to ask you, like, what does it mean to you to be a Panay Filipina in the sport industry, especially in soccer and in in this talent area that that you really do such a great job in? Like, what does it mean to you to be here? 
To be honest, I haven't been asked that maybe in a while. That's a hard-hitting question. It means the world, especially as a freelancer. And one thing I have always really appreciated and admired about you is similar to me, I try to be as authentic and vulnerable as possible online and with the people I come across. And so in that spirit of authenticity and vulnerability, I have struggled a lot with imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. possibly my whole life, but became really prevalent once I went freelance. So it, it means a lot to me. I get messages from young women wanting to work in sports. And the ones that particularly hit close to home are the young Filipinas that want to, they all want to learn and talk, network, pick my brain. And they all mean so much to me when I get them. And sometimes I truthfully don't have the space to reply. And I hope they know that I receive it and I receive it with a lot of gratitude and love. And the ones that I get from people that say, I'm Filipina as well, and it's really inspiring to see you in the position you are and to take up the space that you do, it means the world. It was never my original intention when I started in sports, but to know that I can show people and women of color that not only can you make it in sports, but if you can afford to, and are willing to take the risk to invest in yourself and go out on your own, that it is possible. And then there, it is a sustainable way for someone to make a living. So it means the world. It means the world. And I sometimes also have to take a step back because there was a point about a year and a half ago, two years ago, where I felt as if I had to carry that burden for women in sports and women of color in sports. And I remember there was one thing that was a little bit upsetting to me. It was, I've always been very vocal about social issues, social justice issues, where intersects in sports. And I remember, I guess it's been two years ago now when there was all of the AAPI hate crime happening. Uh Someone messaged me and asked like, Why haven't you put out a statement? Why haven't you said anything? I always value and appreciate your vocalness around these issues. Essentially, almost guilting me into not saying anything. And I could just, maybe that was not their intention. It was over a message, but that's how I received it. And it was a little bit like, I'm Asian American. I think you should know where I stand on this. And also it shouldn't be my my burden to have to be the voice for everything because there's always something. And unfortunately, we live in a society where there's always something and I have to protect my peace. I cannot always be the one to say something. So I've had to take a step back. So it means the world to be in this position. And I also have to balance it in a way where I don't feel like I have to be the main crusader. I can inspire others to also speak up and collectively as a whole, we can continue to fight for whatever cause we are fighting towards so that I can also protect my peace. That was a very long answer, but it means a lot. (laughs) No, it's a great answer. It's an honest answer. I always expect that from you. It's a real answer. It's your answer. And that's what I want. And I think that's what people want to hear. I think, you know, when we become, whether by choice or not, in a certain light where, where people value what we might say, 
it is a balance of when we say it, how we say it, assessing if we have the energy for it and doing it, you know, with others, not alone, not being the only one. I think that's a very good point. I mean, I think it can damage our own mental health, our own burnout level when we don't set boundaries and aren't able to kind of like say like, this is how I stand on it. You should know it. Refer to these, these other ways I've expressed myself about it doesn't change whether there's, you know, a rise in API hate or not. It's like a standard belief system. But I think it's a lot of emotional energy and labor to have to comment on it when asked, when maybe you're not in that space. And that doesn't mean you're less down or less like passionate about it. It's just like, I don't, I'm not choosing to express it that way. But I think that it's great that you can come to a place where you know your limits, know when you have to rest, know when you have to step back, and then you come back when you're ready. I think that's a, a valuable level of self-awareness that you, you've grown into, which is awesome to see. It's taken time, but it is changed my life. And, you know, there were times where I was just agonizing over word choice and sending it to friends, like whatever mm-hmm. issue I was speaking out on, hey, this is my intention. Is this going to come across the wrong way? And I don't even remember the particular instance, but there's something where I didn't include a word. And so... And that's my issue with social media as much as I love it. There's so much nuance. And because I did or didn't use a word, that wasn't, that wasn't my intention. And I, you can typically tell when someone's intentionally being an ass or not. And then once I would even hit send, I just have the anxiety of how are people receiving it? Am I getting mean, toxic comments to the point where I'm like, I have to protect my space and I just can't continue to do this anymore or as frequently as I once was, because as much as it meant a lot to me to be vocal, it was at the cost of my anxiety and my energy. Yeah. No, I think there's a balance that we all have to, it's a daily practice, a lifelong practice to to figure out how that works. So I'm, I'm so glad that you didn't give up on yourself and that, you know, it's something that you have to like keep being aware of. I mean, you are a performer. I mean, you have (laughs) <laughs> the, pr- the pressures, you're in front of the camera, you you have your own anxieties, you have a pretty public life on a lot of levels. Like, what are the pros and cons of that, I guess? What are the goods and bads? What are the roses and thorns of, of that kind of persona, that kind of work? So I always preface with everything with, you know this, but I preface everything with, I understand my problems are privilege problems, they're champagne problems, first world problems. And at the end of the day, in my, in the context of Megan's life, they're still my problems. And so the pros are, I get to travel. I get to wake up every day and decide what I want to do. Uh, if a brand says, we'd love to send you here to do this, I just get to go travel and do what I love, watch women's sports, watch women's soccer. And there was a point this last weekend because I was in LA for Angel City's opening day where I had to take a second to be like, this is really my life. This is my career now is to get to go to these games and create relationships with players and the league and other storytellers to continue to grow the game that we love. And this is my life. Like this is work. And that's such a huge pro to me. Plus the flexibility of, of just being independent. You know, yesterday I flew back, I was exhausted. And so I'm not going to work today. And sometimes I get really hard on myself about my output. 
because I think we live very much in a hustle culture for better or worse. And uh-huh. I'd love to dispel this idea of, oh, you got to you got to grind 24-7. No, you do not. Please do not actually do that because you will hit a wall. And I hit a wall at one point a couple of years ago. And so what I'm trying to unlearn is this idea of busy, 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 busy. And as a freelancer, it's been very difficult for me because the days I need to rest, like yesterday, I then have this voice in my head of, it's a Monday, what are you doing laying on the couch watching Netflix? But I needed to rest. So sometimes I get hard on myself about that. And not long ago, I was I was venting to a friend about feeling like I didn't have enough projects going on and... Another thorn of it all is the way money comes in because I don't get a paycheck every other week Mm -hmm. or on a consistent timeline. I get a paycheck when it comes. (laughs) And so that's also very stressful for me. And while I was on the phone and I'm learning to be mindful of language, but I use the term like, yeah, I'm really, I'm down bad now. Like I'm stressed. I don't have a lot of projects going on. I don't have a consistent income. And they had to remind me, which I really appreciate I get what you're saying. And that's also really disappointing to hear you say that because you're not actually down bad. You have a roof over your head. You have projects that you are working on that are coming your way. You have a very strong network where if you really needed to, you could set up a phone call, call someone. If I had to go back to a full-time job, I could. And that I also live a lot of people's dreams of getting to wake up every day and decide what you want to do, create. And my life and at this point, my livelihood is getting to go to these places, hang out with people, talk with people, record things for other brands and and people to use as content. And that's how I, that's how I make my money. And so it's, it's a balance. I, I get to do that. And that's the biggest pro and that being my authentic self has gotten me to this place. I get paid to literally be me. And that's yeah. really, really cool to me. Yeah. And there's a there's a lot of cons. I mean, like I said, there's the way... Well, I- let me ask you, Megan, real quick. Yeah. How did you feel when your friend said that? What was your initial emotions and then your response in that conversation about that? My initial response was, it helped ground me. It helped ground me. I was like, you know what? You're correct. And then I think I actually replied with what I said just a little bit ago. I understand these are privilege problems and they're still my problems. Yeah. And I appreciate the perspective of bringing me back down that I could be way worse off. But right now, these are what is causing me anxiety. And this is what I need to address right now. And so you're correct. Maybe down bad wasn't the correct term. I'm going through some challenges right now and they're still my challenges. And if I remember, I think that was actually the conversation I had where I said, these are still my problems as privileged as they might sound. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that like, that's so important because part of me was like, I know how I'm feeling. Let me ask how Megan's feeling. Because as your friend, I felt very protective of you. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't like they really heard you. I think it's challenging when we compare ourselves to other people. Like, oh, I shouldn't be complaining about this or I shouldn't be being down about this, there's that other people have it harder, blah, blah, blah. But like you said, it's your experience. And like, yeah. we want people to connect and hear and support us in our experience and not take it away to someone else's experience and then compare it. That's tough. Right. 
So and that's one thing I've had to learn myself, right? I think I, for most of my life, pushed aside my challenges because at least I'm not living on the street or at least, you know, mm-hmm. I have a job and things like that. But it didn't allow me to hear myself and it didn't allow me to really feel through what was maybe causing pain that day. Yeah. And so I am actually glad you're right. It's a lot of self-awareness where in that moment, I'm like, I get what you're saying. Also, that doesn't mean it's not going to continue to weigh on me. It's going to continue to weigh on me. And I'm proud of myself that I'm like, thank you. I'm going to continue to, (laughs) I'm still going to continue to feel this way. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So yeah, it's a good question, actually. I was able to reply in a way that years of therapy have allowed me to in that moment. And so, yeah, it's still my problem. And I think that's one of my bigger cons. And I think the biggest con as someone who lives this sort of public life is just that, this idea of privacy. Yeah. And I try to do my best to protect that part of my life. And so one of the best compliments I ever got, and I don't even know if it was intended to be a compliment, but a couple of years ago, someone said, no, what are you up to these days? I see you post all day long and I have no idea what you're up to. I'm like, I don't even think you knew what you just said, but that's the biggest compliment someone could ever give me because I hope that's the case. Just like celebrities and other people you might see on TV, you see them active on social, but you don't know their personal life for the Mm -hmm, most part. mm -hmm, Some mm -hmm. people do a good job of that. And so if I've been able to master that art, that's great. And I love that. And there are times when, especially someone who gets burnt out really easily, and when my life is so 24-7, my phone and social, where I wish I could just take a break deactivate my account. It's not that I can't, I could, but I can't because it's how I make my money. It's where the work I do lives. It's when brands are looking at it or my agent is reaching out. It's always send your link. If I deactivate for 30 days, it will actually do me a massive disservice. So Uh The biggest challenge for me thus far has been learning to unplug. Yeah. I don't know. I still don't know how to do it. And through that is where I also have struggled with comparing because I look, I'm scrolling all day for inspiration, for work. You can't help but see what other people are doing. And then it's this dialogue in my head of, oh, well, they're there. Why am I not there? Right. Am I not doing enough? And it's this constant cycle that I find myself in. And so while some people might say, oh, wow, tough life, you have to create two videos this week for a brand that's going to pay you. It's exhausting work. And that is the one thing I think a lot of people don't realize being a paid content creator is exhausting because I'm constantly having to think creatively. Yeah. Reinvent the wheel. Oh, have I done this five times already? Create content a brand's going to be satisfied with while also protecting my energy. And some days you just don't want to do it. And some days you also still have to do it because you have a deadline to meet. And so I think a lot of people think, oh, 
full-time TikTokers and full-time content creators. What an easy life. It's fun. And it's also really not as easy as a lot of people might think. It's not, especially I tell people all the time that say, oh, one day I would love to eventually put in the time and effort to do this in a way where I can monetize. I always give a gentle warning of please pursue it as long as you can as a passion because the second it becomes your work, it changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. I used to create TikToks and things for fun and I woke up and enjoyed doing it. And now it's almost this little bit of dread. Uh-huh. You have to do it. So I always give people that forewarning of it's the passion and drive may never go away, but it changes just a tiny bit when it's now your obligation. No, that's an important insight. I mean, so, so important. I mean, listening to you talk, it is... I was intentional when I said you are a performer because the athletes I work with are also performers, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're in a public public space, you are being seen and critiqued mm-hmm. for that public life. But what you've been able to do is shed light on on you as a human, the humanity of it. It's not glorified all the time. It's not always amazing and unicorns and candy or whatever they say, right? Like I hear my athletes say the same thing. Like people think like that I don't have a heart or people think like that I don't need to sleep or that I am just a robot in this because it's my job, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like bringing in the humanity to people is really, really important and, and really the transparency about what goes on in a person's heart and mind while they're doing something that they love and then managing that that slight like tweak when it becomes more of a responsibility or obligation or paid commitment mm-hmm. um, is very, very important, I think, to highlight. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. How do you manage? How do you manage adversity? How do you manage when there are those days when, oh, I got this deadline and I'm just not feeling it? Like, how do you get yourself prepared and ready to do those things. She's laughing, everybody, just because you can't see her, but she's over here like kind of looking at me and laughing. (laughs) How do I? I, again, so much of what I do on a day-to-day that I've learned to do is have conversations with myself. So for example, we've had this scheduled for a while now. If I woke up this morning and just knew I absolutely could not do it, I've learned to practice what I consider uncomfortable conversations to say like, I don't have the space right now. And I had, I think it was a speaking engagement I was asked to do about an hour beforehand. I I was so anxious and I was on the verge of tears and I knew that if I forced myself to do it, I would not be my my best self. And I've learned to practice doing that, even if I feel bad and it's last minute or I messed up someone's schedule, that it's not my responsibility to control how they receive it and how they feel about it. Because if I like absolutely was not in the in the best space, I'm just not. And that's what it is. And so... I have honest conversations with myself and I try and figure out what I need to do beforehand. So this morning, for example, super tired. I laid in bed until nine and I rested and then woke up, made coffee and started doing a little bit of work before uh, we got on, on the link. And so 
I just really have to be very mindful of it. Or if there are times where I feel like if I have to create content that day and I kind of have to force it, where I have a deadline to me and I have to force it, then I will allow myself the rest of the day to relax. But one thing I actually have been practicing for a while now that you suggested I do (laughs) because you know how I get very easily overwhelmed and I'm very open about the fact I am managing adult ADHD is the breaking down of tasks. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. putting on my to-do list, edit this video that I'm going to stare at all week and not do. My to-do list each day is 15 minutes editing this video. And Lisa taught me this about a year and a half ago. (laughs) And I've been doing it every day and it, it helps so much. And, you know, I'm working on a podcast project right now that you and I have spoken about. And I could have on there, write an episode this week. And that is so daunting. Write an episode this week. And that's how I used to do my to-do list until you taught me this hack. And now it's 30 minutes writing this episode. And there are days like the last two weeks where I, I, I don't do it. But if I had the space, I could look at it and be like, that's an easy feat. I can spend 30 minutes doing this. And so all of that to say where this method you taught me has helped me because I chip away at it one by one, even leading into maybe larger commitments or things that I need to do. And by doing that, instead of spending five hours one day working on one task, I spend, like, I really truthfully probably spend a couple hours each day working towards a few larger goals for that week. And then that allows me the space to rest where now unless it really is a very busy week with travel and deadlines, I'm not as spread thin to where I'm now like, oh, I'm so overexerted and I have to do this. And if I don't do this, everything's going to spiral and I'm just going to crash. It's really helped me just manage my life. No, I love it. You don't know how like loud my heart is singing right now to hear that. <laughs> like, you know, that's helped you in such a way. Oh, it's changed everything. Um, it's, it's huge. I, I mean, it makes it, yeah, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, you've dropped a couple gems for us. I mean, the things that you're practicing, boundaries, preparation, mm-hmm. permission to take breaks and not judging yourself for it. And, so, and if you do, so we all do judge it for a second and then we like pivot, right? Make sure that that thought doesn't stay with us too long. Breaking down the tasks into time-framed chunks versus productivity chunks. And I'd call that like process over outcome. You're making progress in the process of the time you put towards it. You put together a few chunks of 30 minutes, then the outcome is achieved, Mm -hmm. right? And like, I love the word you use, daunting. It is daunting. Write an episode, like what? Like, oh my God, I'd rather not, thank you. Um, But like, you know, or like, I'm going to put together like today, let's say it's Wednesday at two, I'm going to work on this part of the script from two to two 30, you know, and that'll be my rhythm for the next week. Bam. Like it's a smart goal format. We check it off. The brain loves it, gives us more motivation and positive hormones to move on to the next one Mm -hmm. and then put together enough of those. And then you're done, you know, Mm -hmm. so good for you. I'm inspired by that. Well, you inspired me. It was your it was your hack that you taught me. And again, learning to hack 
my very hyperactive brain yes because i need dopamine so when i can cross that off the list and yes. i can look at my list i'm like i did it i did it guys yes. i worked an hour today yes. <laughs> that exactly. doesn't matter as much where it's like i made progress towards what i have to do and need to do this week and where i've always struggled is with that shame of I mean, to be honest, there was many days last week where I'd look at my to-do list and be like, I crossed off everything this week except anything that deals with the podcast. And now I'm going to shame myself a little bit. And then I'm going to tell myself, it must just not be the week. And when the creativity comes back, it'll come back. And now I understand why, like, I've always, we've always used the term writer's block, right? Even when you're in college, you can't write an essay. No, I get it now. (laughs) (laughs) I... Right now, I can't write for two weeks, and that's okay. And I'll feel a little bit bad, and then I'll just move on to what I actually have to do. Exactly. No, I love it. I mean, this is so important for anybody listening. No matter what field you're in, no matter what you're working on, giving yourself that kindness and compassion and understanding. that Because every, te- every emotion is temporary, whether good, bad, or indifferent. It's temporary. It'll pass. Just allow that to happen. I mean... I have a few more questions. One, one is a, a big one okay. for me. Like you talk about, you know, being a mental health advocate. What does that mean to you? And, and where did that passion for mental health come from? So my journey with mental health started with managing my mental health. And you and I have had many conversations about this. So I, I'm, I'm going to preface back up. What is mental health? And mental yes. health is just your overall health. You and I know this. For the context of anyone listening in, when I say mental health, I mean the struggles I've had. Because, right, people are conflating mental health with mental health illnesses and issues, and it's not the same thing. So my journey with managing my mental health challenges was when I graduated college, and I had extreme, almost paralyzing anxiety, panic attacks. Hmm. things like that. And I didn't understand why. Moved. I was living in Oregon at the time, moved to the Bay Area. Everything went away. It was great. Oh, I'm fine. I went to therapy for a little bit during that time in Oregon. And then when I moved, oh, everything's great. I'm good. Must have been, hmm. it's been a time in my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there would just be times where it would come back. And I just didn't understand it. I, I didn't know how to process it. And in 2020, so there's that. In 2020, right. Right. <laughs> when that. we were all home, yep. it, it just came back and it was, it was really difficult. And so I started going to therapy then. And so now I've been consistently in therapy for three years. And I started to understand myself and understand everything about my life and ask these tough questions and try to trace back as far as I could to my childhood. and. In all honesty, there's a lot of parts of my childhood that are just just locked out of my mind for some reason. And so even trying to attack, like, why? Why is that? And through that, I've obviously become self-aware, understood myself. And as I was going through this early journey revisiting therapy, again, at a time when I was very vocal, particularly on Twitter, I was vulnerable about the experience. And about the things I learned and how it relates to my life working in sports and how the two are very much related. Mm-hmm. It's the pressure, the 24-7, yep. the you'll never be good enough, all the things we've all unfortunately heard at some job or another. 
and the response I got from people in a way that, thank you so much for sharing this. I thought it was just me. Mm. So many other people, again, particularly that worked in sports, were at that crossover of the Mm -hmm. two. Mm -hmm. And then people also sharing with me as a Filipino, as an Asian American, thank you for talking about this. Because in our culture, we don't talk about this. And even at first, when I told my parents I was going to therapy, it was a little bit like, oh, okay. Right. (laughs) And questions weren't really asked. Yeah. And even to this day, it's still kind of glossed over a little bit. And the more I shared and the more positive and supportive, encouraging responses I received, the more it became something I... I'm really passionate about speaking out on. And then where it became even more meaningful to me and how you and I even really cross paths is how that then also translates to the athlete side. Mm-hmm. I've been working in sports long enough that we know, and you said it earlier, like these are human beings. This is just their job. It's not who they are. Mm-hmm. And as I became closer friends with a couple people in the space and having honest conversations with them, You see how that really affects them. And they can try and speak out on it just as Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan and all these other people have spoken out about it. And then you see the really disappointing responses of you get paid millions of dollars, you know, grow up, go to practice, play the game. And then you're like, okay. And almost the same thing I said earlier, if you're not feeling your best that day, do you take a sick day? Right. Right. You allow yourself rest. So why is that any different for them just because they are meant to perform uh-huh. and they are uh-huh. expected to perform at your beck and call when you feel like they're able to and being able to see the overlap and then help try and advocate that for them because some people, there's a very vocal minority <laughs> in the world who, who don't understand it and they're not... They, They're not going to understand it if it comes from me or from the athlete. But as we know, if you can have many people speaking on the same cause on their behalf, it can only help drive the conversation more. And through that, it's something I become, you know, really passionate about. And through meeting you and other people in the space and getting to translate things I've learned in therapy and helping ask those same questions with friends or other athletes has been really important to me. And, you know, even after the Angel City game on Sunday, they lost. It was a really disappointing loss. And I got to speak with some of my friends who play for them afterwards. And I said, how are you feeling? And they said, I'm really disappointed. And I said, that's okay. Allow yourself to feel disappointed. Do something for yourself today. And then, you know, refocus. And without the practice and the therapy, there's that toxic positivity where people are like, it's okay, you'll get them next time, you'll win. It's it's only the first game of the season. It's right. early. And right. kind of similar to what we were talking about, you're not allowing them to be heard. Yeah. And you could see it yeah. on their face. Like, they were really disappointed. You could hear it in their voice, their body language. And I was like, it's okay to feel disappointed. That's fine. And it's not fair to them to expect them to just... Uh, move on, move on to the next one. It's going to be fine. And it's not fair to them to expect them to perform when we're not allowing them space to maybe grieve or heal or process. And so all of this to say, 
through my own self growth and healing journey, I've learned a lot. And if I can help translate that to the world of sports, I will always say yes if I have the space. Right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no, again, I appreciate your your full, you know, honesty and transparency and authentic self that I can always count on from you, like especially on this topic of mental health, mental health in sports. It's it's still, as you know, an evolving conversation. But the more and more we can share in them, you know, it brings awareness, it brings destigmatization of of it and seeing especially athletes and performers in the sports world, because you're a performer in the sports world, like the humanity and stop talking them out of their feelings kind of thing, letting them have them, move through them, and then, you know, go on to the next. But it's great that you have such a voice, especially in intimate relationships with some of the players to be able to give that to them. I think it's awesome. There's so much amazingness that you're doing. I know it will continue. I have one last question for you. Okay. The last one's always made me nervous. I know. (laughs) There's a reason it's last. (laughs) So, you know, all of those you said, you know, you get um, messages from young Filipinas, you know, around the world, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't get to all of them. It's unrealistic. It's tough. If you had the opportunity to do like a group message in the form of your voice now to everyone who's reached out or those who have wanted to reach out but haven't, what would you like to say to them? Oh, that's a very good question. It's perfect. This is my way of answering some of those messages. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So most of the messages are, where do I start? And how can I get to where you are? And what advice do you have? Typically, uh-huh. it's something along the lines. Okay. And so I would say my biggest advice is, one, I could tell you my journey. And some people might take that as a blueprint, but it's not. And I could ask the hundreds of people I know that work in sports, and everybody's blueprint is different. Uh-huh. Some people studied sport management specifically, got into the space. Some people studied something completely different and it's a they took a job that was offered to them in sports and the rest is history. And so I don't always like answering that question because sometimes it's honestly is just like a little bit of luck of what experience might come your way in that moment in your life and the people you know. So one, I'm always happy to share my career journey, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody else because right. there are also a lot of people who do all the right things. And sometimes it's just not the path meant for them. Two, I would also say network. And by network, a mistake I made when I was younger was just adding people on LinkedIn and Twitter and being like, they're in my network. But network, meet people, and also establish relationships. Uh And be very intentional and thoughtful and genuine. And with the work you create and something that a lot of people my age, and by my age, I mean this like middle millennial generation where we remember having to do dial up and like having a, you know, no phone line while I'm on the internet, but we also grow up with, we also have technology and things like that. And a conversation I had with a friend the other day is how cool it is for Gen Z 
that they really can create whatever path they want. And I know a lot of people who have graduated college and immediately got jobs because they were just creating because they've had the accessibility of platforms like TikTok. Mm -hmm. Where sometimes I feel now that I have pivoted more into a creator talent role, I'm almost starting over a little bit. Mm. And because we didn't grow up with this. And so I did a more traditional career path before this was then brought to us for us to utilize. And so with that said, I would also say create. And nowadays, social media, again, for better or for worse, are our resumes. And Mm -hmm. sometimes people, I, there are dozens of case studies of creators who just were themselves. They created videos, TikToks, reels, whatever it may be, YouTube, and they were genuine and they engaged with their audience and they built a following and now they are quote unquote influencers and this is their job where I would say like to the people that are comfortable enough and willing enough to show some confidence and be themselves on social media, just create whatever ideas you have, create. And I would also say someone had to remind me this, people are paying attention more than you might realize in a good way. Mm-hmm. So while it may not seem like your work is reaching the right people, it is. They're just quietly paying attention. Yeah. And I have been in roles where when it's time to hire someone, we go and we're like, oh, this person from social media, this person. So while you may not know that, your name may be being talked about because we are paying attention to the content you're creating and the things you're passionate about. And then we're mindful of it for when it's time to hire or list of recommended names. And I'm sometimes asked, like, do you have recommendations for this? And it's the, where do we go now? Like, let me scroll through my Twitter and my Instagram really quick and Mm -hmm. and find that right person. Mm -hmm. So people are paying attention more than you might realize. And then I would add a bow on all of this to say, authenticity has gotten me really far. Mm. And I once tried to be who I thought sports wanted me to be. And as a Filipino woman of color, I once would put my head down and be quiet and work. And I think that's a Mm. common theme in a lot of Filipino households and even Asian households of just don't ruffle feathers, be grateful to be there, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And I spoke out on issues that I I was passionate about that were meaningful to me. I learned to embrace who I am and was authentically me and it's paid off. So I would add a bow on to all of those maybe three pieces of advice and say, be you and not who you think other people want you to Mm -hmm. Mm be. And also, I lied, one more, that you can at any point in your life be whatever you want to be because I never wanted to be on camera. My anxiety used to be so crippling that the thought of speaking on camera and people listening back to me was the most terrifying over my dead body thing I could ever do in my life. I was in a sports broadcasting class my senior year of college and I dropped it after a day because I was like, you will not catch me dead on camera speaking to people. It's because I was a perfectionist. Still in it. But the thought of it was so terrifying. And then as I became more, grew more into myself, and found my voice and my confidence. This is what I do now. And so now I say at 32, I'm kind of starting over a little bit. And whether it's 32 or 52, 
it's never too late. And that's something I hear a lot from young women, especially of their like, I'm a junior in college and my friends are doing this internship and I feel like I'm too late. I'm like, you are 20 years old. (laughs) You have so much time. It doesn't matter how old you are. You'll always have time. Wow. That was just a package with a bow. Two bows. Two bows. Like that is amazing information. I mean, you expressed it too with a lot of humility, which I appreciate. And that just because you're there, your path is not the path for everyone. Everyone's going to figure that out on their own. And I think that is very liberating. And I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of that. Um, Yeah, I know so. And so I appreciate all that you've shared. This will be, you know, one of many conversations we have about all of these topics as our friendship continues to grow and deepen. And I'm just, I just appreciate you taking the time. I know that you're a very busy woman and just appreciate you spending some time with me this way this morning. I will always find time for you, Lisa. I always love our conversations. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Athlete Mindset is part of the CasSource Podcast Network. At CasSource, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're growing this one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you by searching CasSource on your social media app of choice. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network, the CasSource Podcast Network.